0: This is Points North, a show from Interlochen Public Radio where we hear about life in northern Michigan through the news, the people, and the places. I'm Morgan Springer.
1: And I'm Dan Wanshura. Coming up later on the show today, a bacteria called cherry canker is attacking northern Michigan's sweet cherry trees.
2: There's nothing that the growers can use uh, that's, that's effective for management, and so we're trying to come up with something.
1: Hear how one Michigan scientist is developing a solution. Plus, we're going to go with sailing in a northern Michigan orchard. That's coming up later.
0: But first, IPR's Max Johnston has been reporting on cherry tariffs. Hi, Max. Hi, Morgan. There's a bill in Congress that's supposed to even the playing field for U.S. tart cherry farmers. Can you just summarize what's going on there?
3: Yeah, so right now tart cherry farmers in Michigan are essentially getting priced out of their own market because about 10 years ago, Turkey started really heavily importing their own tart cherries. In some cases, those Turkish products are selling for below half the price of domestic ones. So now those Michigan tart cherry farmers want the federal government to step in and level the playing field.
0: How is it that Turkey is able to sell their tart cherries for so much cheaper?
3: Well, there's some evidence that Turkey is heavily subsidizing their tart cherry farmers to the point that they can sell them really for dirt cheap. On top of that, for a long time, a lot of Turkish products were coming into the U.S. tariff-free.
0: Wait, tariff-free, how come? How can they do that?
3: Well, that's the result of a deal between the U.S. and Turkey during the Iraq War. Essentially, uh, the U.S. was allowed to use certain strategic military bases in Turkey, and as a result, the U.S. let Turkey import a bunch of stuff tariff-free.
0: That's so interesting. Just, uh, just a look into how foreign policy affects trade. Max, you did a feature story on this, but one of the things that didn't make it into your report was how retaliatory tariffs are affecting cherries. Can you talk a bit about that?
3: So last year when the U.S. put tariffs on Chinese steel and aluminum, China fired back with tariffs on certain American products, and one of those was American cherries. Now those tariffs trickle down to tart cherry farmers to the point where they lost millions of dollars.
0: I'm guessing they're not thrilled about that.
3: That's safe to say. I'm going to let Ben LaCrosse, he's a tart cherry farmer from Leelanau, sort of explain what they think. The cherry industry is like a nail. We just keep getting
1: hammered and hammered and hammered, and there's no relief in sight.
0: Okay, last month, U.S. Senator Gary Peters introduced a bill to address this inequity. In a nutshell, what would it do?
3: That bill would let the Commerce Department investigate those Turkish subsidies. If they're as severe as some people think they are, then the U.S. can levy tariffs to offset that price difference and hopefully make the market more competitive for domestic tart cherry farmers.
0: Max Johnston is a reporter for IPR. Thanks so much, Max.
3: Thank
1: you, Morgan. Now we turn from tart cherries to sweet cherries and a devastating disease that's affecting orchards around the country. Bacterial canker causes oozing infections in the cherry tree bark killing branches and even entire orchards. There's no effective method to treat it either, but scientists are trying to harness bacteria killing viruses to help farmers keep it under control. IPR's Kayla Fond has more.
4: There's very little open bench space in George Sundin's lab at Michigan State University.
2: Uh, Back here,
4: whirring instruments, pipettes, sticky notes, hunched over grad students, there's a lot going on in here. So much that you might not notice the microscopic armies being built for battle. Sundin grows cherry canker bacteria in his lab, and he's also preparing to grow viruses that kill them.
2: So they they look like science fiction type creatures. They have a kind of a, a head on them, and then they've got feet that look like a tripod.
4: The virus is attached to the bacteria and basically blow them up. It's brutal, and it could help Michigan farmers. Two hundred miles away on the Leland Peninsula, Jim Bardenhagen sits at his kitchen table talking about all the things cherry farmers worry about: climate change, foreign fruit imports, invasive insects, and cherry canker.
2: But uh, in the spring, if we get a wet, cold uh, day in in uh, during blossom time, that's it's usually a very serious infection. You know of them. We've had times when we really got hit hard, and it takes a two, three years to, to pull out of it to get production back after that happens.
4: The most popular sweet cherry varieties are also the most susceptible. Every orchard in the state is affected, and there isn't a good treatment available. Farmers sometimes spray a copper solution to little effect.
2: Other than copper, can't really do much control, uh, but other than prune it out in the winter when we're pruning.
4: That's where those bacteria-killing viruses in George Sundon's lab come in. They already live in orchards all over Michigan, but they're in really small numbers. Sundin's team is collecting the viruses, called phage, from the soil beneath cherry trees. He already has some in his fridge.
2: And we'll try to separate the phage from from the soil particles and then can purify that and start studying it.
4: Sundin will then take the viruses and grow big populations that can be sprayed on trees. He says the spray will be safe because the viruses can only attack cherry canker bacteria and won't infect anything else. But there are a few other kinks to work out. There's the risk of bacteria developing resistance.
2: We're trying to come up with a mixture of about five or six different phage that we can use in one uh, spray solution so that even if the bacteria became resistant to one of the phage, we'd have five other ones in the mix that could infect it.
4: Also, the sun can damage the virus. Sundin's team is testing materials like carrot juice to act as a sunscreen.
2: It's gotta be cheap, and it has to be something that uh, you can put in a spray tank, which is 100 gallons.
4: Sundin says they're probably five to 10 years out from having something ready to use. In the meantime, farmers will keep pruning their cherry trees and hoping for the best. For Points North, I'm Kay Lafond.
0: This is Points North. I'm Morgan Springer. Michigan apple growers are hoping to match last year's record harvest. Modern technology is a big part of their success. But since ancient times, English apple growers have held a special ceremony to try to ensure a bountiful harvest. It's called a wassail. It's a term that goes all the way back to the Vikings. And Fred Kiesler with Red Pine Radio has the story of one northern Michigan cider maker who held his 10th annual wassail this winter.
5: It's a cold and snowy January night in Leonel County. Hundreds of cider lovers are trudging through the orchard at Tandem Ciders. As part of the wassail, they're following a man dressed entirely in green clothing and wearing a mask made of leaves. Waiting in the orchard next to a roaring bonfire is Dan Young. He owns Tandem Ciders. Young is dressed in a black coat and a top hat. Welcome, everyone, to our 10th annual wassail <laughs> party. Here at Tandem siders. since ancient times, people have gathered together in the apple growing areas of southern England to toast the apple trees in the middle of the winter and to thank them for the apple harvest and to scare away any spirits, any benign, wait, no, malignant spirits, (laughs) and maybe even some benign spirits, just scare them away. (laughs) And now, the green man will read the Wassail incantation. The green man steps to the front of the crowd and reads a traditional Wassail poem, wishing for a good harvest.
2: Apple trees, to steady rains and gentle breeze, to healthy blossoms and hungry bees. With our cider we drink to thee.
5: With incantation done, the ceremony ends with a great fireworks display. And now, we'll make some noise to scare away any malignant. malignant. <laughs> Let's go! We'll know by this fall if the ceremony was successful. For Interlochen
1: Public Radio, I'm Fred Kiesler. Fred's part of Red Pine Radio, a community workshop that meets monthly at IPR. If you're interested in joining the group, email Radio at interlochen.org.
0: Also, Fred's story is a nice reminder that there are so many traditions out there, traditions as a community or something you might do with family or friends. And it got us wondering, what are some of your traditions? I'm hoping you'll share them with us by calling our comment line. That's 231-276-4444. And that's our show for the week. I'm Morgan Springer.
1: And I'm Dan Juan Shura. Catch Points North every Friday morning here on IPR or head over to the show's website, PointsNorthRadio.org. You can also listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts.